and welcome to the Michigan Murders. I'm Laura. And I'm Stephanie. And I just listened to the last podcast again so I could remember. I go first this time. <laughs> Yay. Once again, we got all the chats out before we started. We needed it. Or I needed it. <laughs> yeah, I like some banter, but listening to... 10 to 20 minutes of people talking about other stuff at the beginning of a podcast can be distracting. So. Very. Uh, my episode today was re- recommended by a listener. So thank you, Amanda. Thanks, Amanda. <laughs> yeah, we appreciate you. And um, she sent me a link to a YouTube video, which was also super helpful. Because <laughs> then, you know, sometimes you hear about, oh, just look this up. And all it is is a name. So trying to make sure you're finding the correct one was tough, but getting a video reference or like a newspaper article reference, those are super helpful and make this faster. Very. 35-year-old Anna Carrillo was a mother of three who worked in a factory in Wyoming to provide for her children. She was known as a selfless mother who did everything she could to give her kids the things they asked for. This is why her family was shocked when on Sunday, September 3rd, 2017, Anna's family was told she didn't show up to pick her kids up from the visit with their father, Andrew Hudson. Anna and Andrew had dated since they were teenagers, but were currently separated. Anna had moved in with a friend over the summer. That Sunday, Andrew and his mother showed up at Anna's mother, Bertie's apartment. Bertie thought it was strange he would show up there, let alone with his mother with him. He told her Anna was supposed to pick up the kids, and she didn't show, and Bertie instantly knew something was wrong. Andrew claimed he and Anna got into a big fight on the phone when she was supposed to come get the kids. Connie, the friend Anna lived with, said Anna asked to borrow her car around 8 a.m. to go get them, and said she should be 20 minutes, but never came back. It was around 3 p.m. when Andrew and his mom left Bertie's apartment, and Bertie tried calling Anna right away. Bertie went out to search for Anna, while Andrew visited more people. His next stop was Anna's friend Amber. In an interview, Amber said Andrew seemed antsy and like he was worried, and he was asking questions like if Anna could have problems with drug use. Next, he contacted Anna's sister, Melinda, and said something along the lines of, What's this I'm hearing about your sister missing? And she said, Well, I don't know. You tell me. That evening, police used OnStar to locate the vehicle Anna drove. It was found abandoned in a church parking lot around the corner from Andrew's house. Imagine that. Imagine that. When Anna's family opened the car door, they noticed the seat was pushed too far back for her to have driven it because she was shorter and a taller person would have had to be driving. Taller as in a man? Yeah, a man that was nearby enough perhaps to bring the car and then walk back to the house. You know? You know, just just a thought. Mm -hmm. Throwing it out there. Yeah. The police and Anna's family went around the corner to Andrew's house. This slightly a problem for me because Anna's family was yelling at him and the police made them leave. 
And in those cases, in my opinion, if you're investigating a missing person, the family shouldn't be there. Like you. <laughs> that's like you, you question the guy without the family following you to the house. You just yeah. you say, you know, we got to do our investigation. You can't be here right now. Exactly. So that was odd. But Andrew also told Anna's family he hired a private investigator to follow Anna. My guess is it had something to do with getting custody of the kids. But that is if he actually hired one. Because he told her family he had proof of something, but didn't specify what. And he also refused to show them whatever proof I'm doing air quotes here that he supposedly had. He claimed Anna was in a relationship with the friend she moved in with. So in in his version of that, he was convinced she left him for someone else versus just wanting to leave him. It, it couldn't just be a, I'm, I'm done with this. He's, as if it mattered at this point. Yeah. Like, it's like, why does it matter why she's gone? She's gone. And why does it matter if she's in a relationship with a woman? This isn't the 1920s. You're not gonna... <laughs> like, you're allowed to be in relationships with people of another sex. Like, it's not... <laughs> it's not and, illegal. And it's, you don't right. you lose your kids for that anymore, you know? But I mean, the the thought of it, though, is also like, if you had hired this private investigator, sir, what is their name? Where do we yeah. locate them? Because if they were following her, they would have witnessed a crime, correct? Yeah. Who where, is it? Where are the pictures of this supposed Something. bad stuff she did? So, Birdie who's Anna's mother, said Anna's reason to get out was because he was abusive. <laughs> Imagine that. Yeah. It's like, oh, it doesn't have to do with another relationship. You're just a dick bag. I mean, I could have guessed. Yeah. <laughs> I would have I would have I would have actually guessed that. <laughs> Not surprising. Um, and Andrew had been convicted of domestic violence, aggravated second for a May 2004 offense. He was sentenced on November 1st, 2004, and was released less than a year later, on October 25th, 2005. And according to the story I watched, the YouTube video, that wasn't the only time he had another charge. One of the times, she was pregnant with their third child. So, history of violence... Anna's sister Melinda said she always worried about him doing something to take the kids... And when she got the call to pick them up that morning, she likely would have rushed to go get them. And to make this even more insane and sad, when police went to the house to question Andrew at night, Andrew was burning something in the backyard. He said he was burning things from the yard, but when the fire was put out, they found what was left of clothing items, like buttons and zippers. Police got a warrant for the house, and when they did a luminol test, they found blood evidence in the basement, kitchen, and on a bathtub. There were also signs of the blood being cleaned up, and the blood later turned out to be a match for Anna. 
Five days after Anna Carrillo went missing, Andrew Hudson was arrested and charged with Anna's murder. At that time, Anna had not yet been found. And this seemed really unusual to me because so many times in these cases we'll hear about, you know, prosecutors not wanting to move on a case because there is no body. Right, no body, no crime. habeas, Habeas corpus term you hear, like, show me the body, I think is what that means, or bring me the body. And I was really glad when I was watching that, that they felt that with the, like, with the evidence of the clothes being burned with the blood that was all over the house that was enough cause for them to say that he killed her and the the twist to all that came in the form of Andrew Hudson's family because remember his mom showing up with him at Bertie Carrillo's door Andrew's father, Lyle Hudson, was also arrested for lying to police about some trail cameras and what may have been on them. And the story I was watching said perjury. It seemed to incorrect me because I was pretty sure that was for lying while under oath in court or something like that. So I would expect it to be like tampering with evidence, obstruction of justice, or like impeding investigation or something. But I'm also not a professional. So Lyle Hudson wasn't the only one involved. Also arrested around a month later was Andrew's mother, Nancy, and Lyle's common law wife, girlfriend, Angela Wilson. They were also charged with perjury for lying to detectives when they were questioned about the case. Angela was also looking at a second charge for allegedly deleting evidence from her cell phone. Imagine that. Yeah. And reporters tried to interview Andrew's brother, but he refused to speak. However, at Andrew's preliminary hearing, he told the court that four days after Anna went missing, he asked Andrew about it. And Andrew remarked something like, if they find the body, I'm bleeped. That was bleeped out for obvious reasons. Mm. And it didn't take long before the judge decided there was enough for Andrew Hudson to stand trial for the murder of Anna Carrillo. Just after police announced, they believe they recovered Anna's body. So officially charged when police are like, okay, we think we found her. Anna was found to be buried on Andrew's mother's property in Grand Rapids township. Wow. And it wasn't disclosed until the trial that Andrew had stabbed Anna in the neck, then wrapped her body in plastic and buried her under a tree in his mother's yard. Yeah, the whole family knew. What it sounded like in articles I read is that Andrew Hudson took a plea deal and pled guilty to second degree murder and tampering with evidence. And it was second degree and not first because he was the one who led police to where her body was in the end and as part of his plea his perjury charges were dropped and the perjury charges against his mother Nancy DeCamp and his father Lyle Hudson and his father's girlfriend Angela Wilson and Wilson's tampering with evidence charges were also dropped 
So they Ew, got, why? They got him to plead, and so they dropped all those. Kent County Assistant Prosecutor Kelly Conkey said at the hearing, To date, there is no evidence that leads us to believe anything other than the defendant acted alone in the murder and in the disposal of her body. So even even if he did all that, like they're saying, he did all that alone and he admitted, so we're all just supposed to forget they basically agreed to cover up a murder. Right? Yeah, they didn't physically kill her. They didn't physically help him bury her, but... They gave him a place to do it. Yeah, if they knew Andrew did something, even after the fact... They tried to cover it up. And they probably said, oh, hey, I got a yard barrier out here. I know nothing. It's terrible. I mean, even if you find out somebody did something like four days later and he's like, yeah, if they find if they find the body, I'm fucked. That's you admitted. And yet your family was still like, I, you know, possibly deleting trail cam videos and deleting messages and. So there, it seemed like there was some cover-up involved, even if they didn't directly have anything to do with the murder. Absolutely. But, yeah. And I just, oh my gosh, I'm just thinking of her kids, her family, her friends. Like, they, they lost someone. They lost a mother, a daughter, sister, their friend. And Andrew made that decision, whatever it was, to just take her life like that. And it's awful. I pray that her family got the kids and that his family never gets to see them again. Yeah. Because, hello? Yeah. They helped cover up her murder. Like, they don't deserve to be near those children. Yeah. Well, I... Um... For the the video that I was watching for that, at the time of the trial, her sister had custody. Good. I don't know if that's still the case. Um, hopefully they're still with you know, her, her family. But after Andrew's sentencing, Anna's mother, Birdie, said, If you love somebody, you don't kill them. You don't take that person away from their family, especially if she has kids and she has little kids. Who does that? That's not a human being to me. That's a monster. And her sister, Melinda, said Hudson deserves to rot horribly. I agree to that one. Andrew Hudson was sentenced to homicide, murder, second degree, and tampering with evidence on January 18th, 2018, with a minimum sentence of 40 years to a maximum of 100 years. He's currently 44 years old and is in the Richard A. Han. Hanlon Correctional Facility in Ionia. Mm. And that was all from there's a WWMT.com article Fox 17 WZZM 13 YouTube video and then I found her obituary that had some information like her age and the MDOC website had his um, his current information and sentencing. There's a lot for that one. Yeah. 
Goodness. Well, what I have for us today are two updates, two different things, but nothing fully finished, you could say. So updates, but eh. So the first is an update on the Egypt Covington story. Um, I watched a TikTok in which Egypt Covington's Sister gave an update to the case on things that she was told that she can now share. There are four individuals that are involved with the murder of Egypt Covington, three of which entered Egypt's home, Timothy Moore, Shannon Groom, and one other that is not named at this time as they are no longer among the living. This third person was shot and killed in Toledo after Egypt's murder. And that's all she was allowed to share at this point. I could tell she definitely knows more, but that was all they told her that she is able to say. Huh. Which is interesting. Yeah. I want to know. Yeah. And I kind of want to know, like, four people, but three entered. Is the fourth, like, the driver? I I need to know more. Yeah. But I guess we, we will in time. We will in time. And then the other case that I wanted to discuss today is an unsolved murder that happened in Marquette back in 1988. On the morning of September 30th, 1988, 34-year-old Paul Gerard was found murdered near Chief... Okay, I'm trying. Chief Cabogams. Okay. I'm butchering it, and I apologize. <laughs> Cabogams. Uh, grave with many stab wounds in his back, chest, and face. The Marquette City Police conducted hundreds of interviews and was able to narrow it down to a single male suspect. In September of 2018, um, there was an interview with TV6 where retired detective Captain Hank Steed stated, this was a man who said he had done it. But when we interviewed him, he asked for an attorney. And since we didn't have enough information, we did everything we possibly could to bring him to trial, but we aren't able to develop a case against him. In January of 2020, a forensic sketch was released by the Marquette City Police Department regarding a second person of interest. Police now believe that two people may have been involved, instead of just one due to Paul Gerard's build. The second person of interest has been described as being between 5'8 and 5'10 with a slender build. He has, they have lighter sandy colored hair and they were approximately between 25 and 35 years old in 1988. This person has a slumped posture when sitting and is cognitively impaired. They're not social and are not well kept in their appearance or dress. Hank Steed was the original detective that was in charge of solving the case back in 88, and he says he still remembers the day vividly. Steed has said, stated, I was at the police station at the time and received a call of a dead body out on the island. I responded there, and immediately upon arriving at the scene, I recognized who the victim was, somebody who he, we'd ha had some contact with in the past. Detective Steed said that one of the big... One of the biggest challenges was the location that the crime was committed at. It was a wide open area and the crime had happened in an area of 
Presque Isle Park that was supposed to be closed. A lot of times in a case like this, you might have witnesses. We had no witnesses. You might have tire tracks, but the island was closed during that time. He also stated that other roadblocks came in the form of witnesses and someone who said they committed the crime. We spent months, even years, trying to show that that person did it and never having any evidence. I believe at this point they were not involved. I think it was a mental thing that he was going through and he was saying this stuff. Additionally adding, we initially had no suspect. Somebody that obviously had a grudge against him or an issue with him, that sort of thing. People would come with information. We would do multiple, multiple interviews. I believe that Detective Heslip is doing a great job of putting together some pieces that we didn't have. Steed said that the scene he discovered on that day is still with him. When I drive around the island, I can still see Paul Gerard laying there. The whole scene is very vivid to me, even all these years later. Even though they've had a tough time getting this far in the case, Steed is still very much hopeful that justice will eventually be served. Nobody deserves to die in this way and have the case not resolved. He continued, I would love nothing more than to have this case resolved, and when I go to my grave, that I know that it's been taken care of. Hank Steed had been running the investigation in the past, but there is a new detective that has been assigned to the case, Mike Angeli, who, as of the time that one of the articles that I used in this case was written, he was, was, the Marquette city manager, I say that because he no longer is. Um, And he also served as chief of police of Marquette City. Angeli thought about the case and the amount of resources that have been spent on it. As a police officer, you hate to have a case like this hanging out there unsolved, especially after all the work you put into it. He also recalled the violence that was the nature of this crime and said whoever killed Gerard did so intentionally. Whoever did it was very angry, obviously. I mean, just from the number of nature of the wounds, the number of wounds. He was stabbed in the 60s, I think, and there was a lot of aggression there. He also said this was not a planned crime. This was not an organized crime. This was not something that was very sophisticated. So it's frustrating that we can't break through that barrier of just finding out who it was. Angeli was hoping that the sketch that had been released would cause someone to come forward. Even though it's been 30-something years, maybe to stir stir a memory or something in in someone's past. Maybe some new information would come forward. He truly believes that someone out there knows what happened to Paul Gerard. He said, there's someone out there that knows what happened. We've either talked to them and they haven't told us the truth, or we haven't talked to them yet. According to UP Matters in 2020, Detective Sergeant Doug Heslip, who is now leading the um, case in finding out who murdered Paul Gerard, Heslip spoke with UP Matters about developments pertaining to the case and what pointed them in the direction of there being two persons of interest now. 
Through the course of the investigation, I was looking at a particular person. I started invest I started investigating this particular person, and I got inf information from an informant with some information that they had of the day of the murder. I interviewed that person. <laughs> As you can tell, it's very much like a roundabout, like yeah. saying stuff without saying stuff. That's what's making me giggle. I got information from an informant with some information that they had from the day of the murder. I interviewed that person, and it led to the sketch, and I'm trying to identify that person. <laughs> Although he was very careful not to reveal too much information about the new person of interest or where the information itself came from, um, he did state that he did vet his source. He had said he came forward, and I checked these people that give me information to see how credible they are. He's very credible. I know a little bit about him now, why he was up there. I asked him questions, and he was able to answer them, which leads me to believe he really does know what he was talking about, <laughs> which is kind of funny. <laughs> um, he went on to say he remembered these two because the day after the murder, he was with these two particular people, and that's where, why he remembers them so well. <laughs> okay. As Lip said that, because of this new information, he has renewed confidence and a resolution to this case. I know the players involved. I know the ins and outs. The follow-up investigation I have done has led me to believe that I'm looking at a solid suspect. And then he went on to say, I think I have a pretty good idea where he was and what he was doing, but I haven't validated that yet. Yet. He also encourage, encourages anyone who may have even the smallest inclination about what happened back in 1988 to let him know. No matter what you think, if it's just a minor thing, it might be a big thing to me. One little piece can lead to another piece and another piece. It's that snowball effect. Haslip also added, don't be afraid to come forth and talk to me about something that you don't think is relevant because I can take a look at that with the knowledge that I have and it might mean something. A 2021 audio chuck, um, quote, Park Predator podcast. It's audio chuck, but I guess they have different series. Like, there's one called Park Predator, where they do about parks. Um, this podcast noted that Gerard's family and friends say that he was an openly gay man his entire life. But that he wasn't always accepted in the community because of it. And... Marquette City Police did tell this podcast in 2021 that Paul Gerard had made several reports of assault in the past. Oh. And um, this podcast also said that after the murder, police knew then that they could possibly be dealing with a hate crime or a lover's quarrel. So why they hadn't said that prior to this 2021 podcast is beyond me and irritating. It's like they're trying to cover up the fact that it could be a hate crime. Yeah. Hello? Like, that should be stated. Please and thank you. That is all the updated information that I can find at this point regarding the case. Like I said, the, the 2020 and 2021, that's the, the most recent that I found. If there is anyone listening to this episode who believe... They may still have information on the Gerard murder case. Please contact the Marquette City Police Department at 
228-228-0400. And the information that I found on this episode came from two articles, one in 2020 from UP Matters and the other in 2021 from TV6. Oh, oh. it's kind of rough. Yeah. Like, especially if someone was mentally unstable and just saying, oh, yeah, I did it. And then, okay, what did you do? Attorney. And, like, leading them down a wrong path for years, like, of them trying to get evidence against him. That, I mean, in my opinion, he should be charged with something Mm. on those grounds for, like, leading them on a wild chase when they could have been investigating something of importance. Yeah, but if somebody's mentally ill, too, that's kind of hard to... Yeah. Because they just, you know, make it up in their head that they they were involved somehow. But, man. Yeah, the 80s in the gay community was not a good time. Nope. That's so sad. Definitely not. So, uh, good news... I guess. (laughs) So we should probably share some after this. Yeah, we haven't in a while. So um, I went with my friend and her daughter and we saw the Barbie movie this weekend. Hello, Barbie. (laughs) It was, I really liked it. I'm just going to say it was really good. I didn't know what to expect other than that there was going to be Barbies. So I, I liked walking into it without really any expectation. But, you know, very... Female empowering. I I appreciated that. <laughs> I have not watched the Barbie movie. I'm kind of on the fence of if I want to see it. Because my thing is, is I'm not... Okay. So I'm a girly girl in certain ways, right? Mm-hmm. But in ways of like movies, movies are not one of them. I'm not into like, I'm I'm not into like, I don't know, chick flicks, yeah. romance movies. I, there is one that I will definitely watch. It's the only one like, this is my exception, and that is P.S. I Love You, and I will oh, yeah. go hard for Gerard Butler. Every I cry day of the week. every time I watch the movie. Every I time. sob no matter how many times I watch it. I, Kim Kardashian, ugly sob. Every time that movie starts, I cannot handle it. Um, but that is the only exception. <laughs> um, well, okay, well, usually... I will say it. it's not a girly, it's not like a girly, girly no. movie. It's smart. I will say okay. that. It looks at the the female angle of things in a really smart way. And how okay. they play. And, well, I... I don't want to say too much because that's like right. the best part of watching it and seeing how it transforms. But yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, I recommend it. Okay. For any female. That's, that's my, that's my, yeah. my thing. My always worry is it's like, I loved Barbie growing up, but a Barbie movie where you see all these girls like, I'm like, I don't know. I don't know if that's something I will enjoy because yeah. I'm usually like, where's the conjuring? Somebody put on <laughs> Rocky Horror or where's where's some action? Where's speed? Like I need I don't know. I'm usually something like way different. 
yeah, so it's I get kind of worried. <laughs> it's a Greta Gerwig movie. Mm-hmm. She she directed movies like Little Women and Lady Bird, and um, you know she's got a she's got a good collection. It's it's very clever, and I really liked it. And I okay. would probably in and this is a big deal because I don't like to spend a lot of time watching movies or you know, I don't watch mm-hmm. a lot of TV, and it's not because I'm just like oh I just don't watch those just because not much interest me with that like i like to, i like to read that's usually where i end up spending my time i would go see it again mm-hmm. good to know okay and yeah. it, it's it's kind of amazing to me how many people are against it because like the the f- i don't know if they're saying it's got like a feminist agenda or whatever but uh you know the anti-feminists. I think it's because it points out a lot of things wrong with society where females are concerned. And I think that was the main the main point of that. Like, oh, Bingo we don't like bongo. this. It's because it points out uncomfortable truths at some points and it makes that you don't people uncomfortable. <laughs> it, it wakes up people to things that the people who don't like the movie are doing wrong. <laughs> But excellent. I loved Ryan Gosling in it. <laughs> he's a he's weird to me. <laughs> There's so many good lines in that movie too. Like his job is beach. <laughs> it's like I'm not a beach. lifeguard. My job is beach, and he just his job is to stand there on the beach. <laughs> yeah, oh, very clever lines. I just keep saying it's clever. It's smart. I loved it. It's funny. I, I will watch it again when it comes out on on video, probably. Good. Maybe 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 you'll talk me into it. I'll I'll think about it. I'll think about Get it. Get some girlfriends. It go with you to see Barbie. And I did wear pink to it. Me, my friend, and her daughter. We all wore pink to see Barbie. And I, I hear the whole thing is is when you walk down the street and you see another girl, you're supposed to go hello, Barbie. Yeah, because they're. We're all Barbie. They're all Barbie. Different shapes and sizes. Hello, Barbie. <laughs> there was a curvy lawyer Barbie. Ooh. And somebody mentioned this on TikTok. I'm going way, way over the podcast here to talk about the Barbie movie. So That's I'm fine. sorry. But there was somebody on TikTok that pointed it out that was like curvy Barbie. It was never mentioned at all. It wasn't part of the plot. She wasn't like the chubby Barbie friend. They never mentioned that about her at all she was just barbie and she's a lawyer mm-hmm. so i appreciated that and i didn't think about it until she mentioned it and i was like oh yeah i didn't think about that and they just skipped right over it get on with the plot but. that's cute yeah i'm trying to think of like if i have anything fun and exciting oh we had a baseball game my work was having a company party I guess, where we were all uh, invited to a baseball game, a minor league. Minor. Minor league. I love minor league games. The Woodpeckers. They're so fun. (laughs) And I used to go to, like, the Whitecaps. Yeah. As a kid. And so I was like, I'm taking my son. Like, he needs to go to a baseball game. He wasn't as into it as I was as a kid. 
but I think that's part of the autism. <laughs> like, <laughs> he was very much like, I want to be out on the field playing. Why can't I crawl over the stands right now uh. and go down there and swing a bat? You can't do that. They're playing the game. Mm, I want to play the game. Yeah, but that's not <laughs> what we're going to do. And then he starts getting upset. I'm like, okay, here's my phone. Watch this. Let me watch the game. Yes. <laughs> so, so that became that. But he did He did enjoy himself. He got to go visit the gift shop and, of course, pick out the most expensive baseball hat he could find. <laughs> of course. As the, one thing that he, as the one thing that he wanted. And I was like, okay, cool. Almost $30 later. For yeah. a hat. Hat. Really, now. That is like, you're killing me, Smalls. For a hat. <laughs> like, you better wear that hat for years. For years, sir. I don't care if it's youth. Shove it on your head. <laughs> <laughs> but it was fun. And he got plenty of sleep that night. And then my friend toned my hair the other day. And... We got to go over there and he got to play in the pool and her husband hung out with him and watched movies with him. Well, I got my hair done. Yeah, it so looks great, fun. by the way. Thank you. Very. I'm going to brighten it tonight with some shampoos and stuff, but it's very fun and blonde again. You're making me want to go blonde. I'm kind of brown right now. Come out here and we'll start you on your blonding journey. <laughs> Come to the dark side. That's or I will the blonde light, you. The light, the blonde, the is blonde the dark side. side. I think it'd be the come, light side. Yeah, come to the blonde side. <laughs> you know you want to come here. I <laughs> we do have it's, more fun. It's a long drive though, and I I looked for plane tickets to come visit you actually, and they're uh, between seven and nine hundred dollars. Yeah, we have snacks. <laughs> <laughs> And, sh- and and post color shampoos. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, but it's been it's been a little fun. So yeah, that's my good news. We needed to add some because we've we've been forgetting to add good news at the end of our episodes now. Yeah, for a while. You don't you don't get the chat at the beginning. You get it at the end. <laughs> you get it at the end. <laughs> Especially Barbie. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if anybody's still sticking around and listening to this, but if you are, thanks. Hi. Yeah, you you're a real one. You if you look are, you're a real one. Great today. Your hair is really nice. And it's I mean, if you're in your car listening to this right now, you're driving really good, you know? Keep- and I swear that outfit is so cute. Look at you go. Yeah. Get it. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you everyone for listening. Be safe out there and watch out for the crazies. Bye. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. The music titled Teller of the Tales was provided by Kevin McLeod and can be found at incomtech.filmmusic.io.